Coming up on First Course Verse, when we don't actually have an assignment, what do we do? That's next. Welcome to episode whatever it is. It's the last preseason, offseason, postseason episode of season two and three or three. I am DL. How are you? Hope you're well. I'm just chilling here on a early evening. Yeah, early evening. It's about four o'clock. I am an early person. I go to bed early. So it is Friday. I'm going to enjoy doing a little recording and then I'm going to probably go to bed because I am old and I am lame. It has been a nice month-ish, off-ish. It's been fun. It was great doing the finale with the gang. It was great seeing them, partying for a couple days. Our finale was way too short. We tried to put way too much into it. We're going to calm it down a little bit next year, but it was still fun. That seems like forever ago. Doesn't it, everybody that was there? That seems like ages ago. And since then, we've been doing a little content here or there, talking a lot about YouTube. We are on the YouTube By this point in time, we are well-established on the YouTube. I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, we will have something around the lines of 70,000 followers, 300K views per video, those sort of numbers. I think they are realistic. If you divide them by 50, 500. You know what's really hard? You know what I said that I was going to do this year? I said that I was going to take a year, season three for me, technically season three. So here's what I'm going to do. Let me rearrange my thoughts here. We're going to circle wagons, start here. The end of season two, what I told myself, I told myself, come season three, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to stare at the numbers. I'm not going to stare at the stats. I'm not going to concentrate on the likes and the subscribes and what the click reach is and how to get people to listen to more than the first 7% of episodes and what our percentage rate is of demographics this age and how many women versus men listen and all these stats. There are 7 kabillion podcast stats. And now we've added YouTube. So let's throw in the YouTube stats. This content we are creating is very good. Why don't more people listen? That is the thought process that I think we all have. And I think that's the process that most people that are proud of what they're doing have. We work hard. We have solid content. I believe in the content. But there are times where you don't think the numbers are where they should be. Now, ironically, if you would have asked me last year, hey, if our numbers are here, would you be happy? You know, at the beginning of 2023, I would have been ecstatic. I would have said, holy crap. Yes, that's amazing. Good for you, future DL. Way to go. Keep the team. No firings necessary. One of the interviews that I did last year with John Bates, he did talk about that. He talked a lot about appreciating the art. Don't follow the stats. And while we are a budgeting entertainment system, I don't know what you call it now because we're a little more than a podcast, Entertainment 720, we are wanting to eventually see some sort of financial reward from this. I especially need it to, not from me, I don't give a shit, but I have people that I ask to do things. And when you have people that you ask to do things, you need to be able to pay them for it. That's my capitalistic opinion. And I'm sure that Evil Sven and Rachel wholeheartedly agree. So we do need to make money. 
at some point, or this isn't going to be a viable thing. And that's fine. We got four or five years out of this and it didn't quite work out. I don't think there were going to be any regrets. We'll see. But what I told myself that I was going to do coming into season three is don't give a shit about the stats. Don't look, don't care, concentrate on the content. Good things will come. And then you start YouTube and then you start getting contacted by certain people and then certain podcast things start happening and you cannot help it. It is a drug, it is an addiction, and so it's going to be a little bit harder for me to beat than I thought. But what I was trying to say at the beginning of the episode is this. You know what? Technically, Season 3 has not started yet. We are recording our first episode together in eight days. So I have eight more days to give a shit about stats. And then you know what? I am putting it on my calendar now. New Year's resolution. I hate New Year's resolutions, but hey, it's January 5th, so it's not a New Year's resolution. It's just a resolution, so I can be okay with it in my head. Season 3, I am not going to care about stats. Once we get done with Season 3, that's when I will comb the analytics... I will figure out what we need to change about our content drops. For season three, I'm not going to care. There's got to be stipulations. So Sven, Evil, if you're hearing this, if you want to come at me with some stats, I'm obviously going to listen. If you are the one in charge and you do not pay attention, you are an idiot. I think that was Socrates that said that. I just want to try as best I can to give good content. And it's hard to concentrate on giving good content if you're looking at stats all day. So there you go. As Rachel would say, I am currently balls deep in studying for season three, uh, have been for a while. And to go with that, that's kind of what we're talking about tonight. What are we listening to right now? It's the off season. It's the official off season. I am no longer having to listen to other people's raps and figure out what their raps were. I'm no longer having to look through my rap and figuring out what that is. I'm no longer having to really figure out the YouTube. The YouTube's out The YouTube releases are set up. We are comfortable with them. We have a good routine. We have an amazing schedule where Sven's kicking ass. The videos keep getting better and better. Rachel, Sven, and I are really figuring out our characters. I'm yet to see an evil video because he's terrified of it, but it's going to be great. When you care that much about a thing, it's going to be good. So evil, as Jerry Cantrell said in Jerry Maguire, sometimes you just got to let your balls out there, man. Before we get more into everything, and we are joined by my dear friend Rachel and my dear friend Evil, because Sven is taking this episode off just as you did not hear him in the last episode. We gave him a prolonged vacation. As you are all aware, his schedule keeps him a little too busy to podcast regularly, and since we added a crap ton of YouTube videos, uh, especially that first week in January, we released eight or nine for the first day, and then we did four more consecutively. He's been very, very busy with the video editing, so I said, hey, Sven, you know what? You don't have to do this episode if you don't want. He quickly obliged. Evil Rachel and I only. We also have something else that we're going to do in this episode that's going to be fun. We have some uh, concert questions. It was a random thing that Rachel brought to my attention. I don't remember where she found it, but it was this year. Uh, We thought it'd make for a good episode conversation, but I'm not sure how it would fit into regular season stuff. And then I realized like, this is perfect off season content. I think it was like a tweet or something that she shared that had a bunch of random concert questions. We're going to answer those. Two, off-season content is going to change a little bit next year. After doing it this year, I'm seeing that 
It's still a little more labor intensive than I want it to be. I want off season episodes to be still great content, but complete non thoughtfulness needed from the rest of the pod people. I want them to actually have actual time off. And while, yes, reading off wrapped is not exactly hard work it's also not great content which i realize we did our best to make something special of it this year we are definitely going to pump that into one episode next year keep that to one episode and then i've got some other stuff some really good ideas for off-season content that as long as i do the pre-work it's going to be really really fun content and it's going to take no studying whatsoever from the crew. It'll take 20 minutes of very fun recording. Couple ideas in the works for next year. Before we get into all that, though, we have to talk about what am I drinking tonight? Well, I don't know what the hell this is. I was in a little bit of a mood. I've gotten back to my cocktail books. I have a few cocktail books I really, really enjoy. I decided to start going back to those, and I did a little bit of a play on something by a on a death and company recipe i had a little bit of champagne left from new year's eve uh, which i didn't celebrate by the way because everybody around me was sick everybody had the, the covid all that stuff no celebration super sad i think it was the first year ever i was officially asleep before midnight so yes it is certain i am old i have a champagne with a little bit of port I think this is an, an eight year. I don't know what this kind of port this is. I didn't like look at the label, I'm sorry. And then a little bit of apricot liqueur and some almond bitters. It is spectacular, unbelievably delicious. I don't know what we wanna call it. Maybe we'll call it a, let's see. Since it's port, maybe we will call it a Portuguese for a 75. Yeah, that's what we'll do. Play on a French 75, we're gonna call it a Portuguese 75. Let's call it a Portuguese 99. This is a Portuguese 99. Congratulations, everyone. We invented a drink that I am quite positive is already a drink by Death and Company or the like. What are we listening to in our off time next week, episode one of season three? Aren't you excited? Let's get to it. We will be right back. guys it's rachel i'm just here alone talking to myself but ultimately to you we are here i am here <laughs> by myself it's there's no we in the off season this is our final off season recording and i'm just gonna talk about some concert stuff concerts that i've been to who came up with this idea i don't know but it was a genius idea that's all i have to say i think it's time to get going though Let's, you know what? Let's start drinking. Let's just go there. Focus on what this podcast is really about. Today in my fridge, I found another truly hard seltzer. This is from their holiday collection. It is the holiday sangria style. It also has other natural flavors. By the can, there's a little orange on it and maybe cinnamony. It makes me think it's going to be cinnamony. Honestly, I haven't had regular sangria in so long. I don't really remember what it tastes like but I'm sure this will taste like a whisper of what sangria is actually supposed to taste like. And I'm right. This is not sangria. <laughs> what is wrong with hard seltzer? Can't you just put a little flavor, a little sugar in it? It just tastes like water that looked at a pitcher of sangria. It's like a copy of a copy of a copy of sangria. 
Sorry, truly. <laughs> Looks like we're not getting sponsored from you. Okay. So we're going to talk about concerts today. So let's go through this fabulous list of concert questions. First concert. Um, I feel like I've talked about this before, maybe on like the get to know you episode when me and evil Sven and David were all together for the first time. My first concert ever was a not embarrassing at all. Michael Bolton, 1992 time, love and tenderness tour. That was Michael Bolton at the peak of his fame. He was fabulous. His hair was long and it was curly and beautiful. This was in Boise at the Boise State Pavilion. When it was the Boise State Pavilion, that's how old I am. Don't Google that. It is the Taco Bell Arena now, I believe, which is great, but would be better if they actually had Taco Bell inside the arena. So that's a fraud of a name. What if I just want some tacos while I'm listening to Michael Bolton and I can't get them? I was super young, but I was very excited. And even at the time, I understood that Michael Bolton was like the ultimate sex symbol. His voice was like so beautiful and sexy and his hair was so long and curly and all the women were screaming and I was definitely the only child there, but I very much understood like this is a man. So good concert. The last concert that I went to was ACL. I went to Austin City Limits in October with my girlfriends down in Texas and my fiance. Who did I see there? A lot of people because it was a fucking festival. Also the food there, they have this thing where they only let like local people cater the thing. And God damn, it was so good. We had like Korean fried chicken. There was bao. Oh my God. The bao was like fucking amazing. It was so good. Really all the food there was just great. If you ever have a chance to go to ACL, this is a music podcast, but go for the goddamn food. It was so good. Oh my God. Okay. But music who was, (laughs) who was performing there and who did I see? Um, there were a handful of people that, especially the more popular, well-known bands were playing, on the two main stages at the same time. So you had to pick and choose. One of the ones that I went to that I kind of low-key regret because I wasn't super impressed with was Casey Musgraves. Sometimes you hear an album and you think, this is really fabulous. I bet they're fucking fantastic in person. And Casey Musgraves, bless her heart, was exactly the same (laughs) recorded as she was in person. There was still somebody with an auto-tune behind her. Her energy was not super high. It was fine, but it was kind of a ballad-level energy the entire time, and not every song she has is a ballad. So I was kind of disappointed. She's a good performer. She's not a great performer. Would I pay to go see just her? No, I would not. She was playing at the same time as the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the group I was with, it was kind of like, where are the most votes going? And the most votes went to Casey Musgraves and that was fine. But I did miss out on Red Hot Chili Peppers, which makes me a little sad. Also, the Chicks were there the first night. They were the final band playing. I forget who they were playing against, but they definitely won in the competition of who we were going to see. I really have loved the Dixie Chicks since, since high school. I've seen videos of them perform before and at like award shows and things. And so I was actually super excited. However, at ACL, their energy, again, not super high. They are super talented musicians. They're great 
vocalists and their stringed instruments and banjo, all of them play really, really well. I don't know if it's just they're getting older. And I don't mean that in a rude way because they're just still probably a bit older than me, not by too much. They didn't seem like they were super excited to be there or super energetic. It wasn't great. And I really had this childhood dream of them just being the most fantastic, beautiful, energetic, running around the stage kind of ladies. And that was not the case, which is, it's whatever. I also saw little Nas X. So if you've seen him, he has the highest energy. He's dancing, he's singing himself. He's not lip syncing. He's fabulous. He brought all of that to ACL and it was great. I was unfortunately kind of far away, but the few times I did get to jump up and (laughs) get a good view of him live rather than on the gigantic jumbotrons that they had brought with them. It was high energy the whole time. He's very vocally talented, much better than recorded, which is always, I feel like it should be expected. I feel like you should be better live than you are recorded, but sometimes it's just not. I mean, you don't get 30 tries for the same line when you're live, so I can get how sometimes recorded can be better. Anyway, Lil Nas X, fucking fabulous. Loved him. The best in the group at ACL was definitely Paramore. Um, this is another high school band that I, I loved when I was in late high school, early college. Haley Williams is, I, I feel like you should know at this point about my crush on Haley Williams. She is gorgeous. She has a very strong voice. She has a lot of control behind her voice. She is very engaging on stage. She's another one of those people who is tiny and on a big stage can somehow fill it up. She is running around, she is dancing, but her presence is just so big. Loved Paramore and was really excited to fulfill the early 2000s Rachel who just loved her. That was really great. And the energy of the crowd, she pulled from that and gave it back and it was just a big party. It was really, really fun two surprises, two great surprises that were at ACL. The Midnight, which we have recently talked about one of their, their most recent album on one of the quick fires. And it was not great. I do have to say I pushed that one because I was so excited when they were at ACL. They were fantastic live. They were really great live, lots of energy. Another one of those bands that's just better live than recorded. That album was not great. However, in person, very excited to learn about them, very excited to listen to them perform because they were just great. There was a really fun surprise band that we just kind of stumbled upon. My friend wanted to, she had heard about the band, and so we went to go see them. I am going to butcher this name because my French is horrible. Uh, Les maybe? L apostrophe. I am P-E-R-A-T-R-I-C. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. Let me know, though, if you know French. Leave a voicemail, though, because spelling it out is not going to help. I already know how to spell it. They are kind of like a fun, disco-y vibed band. They formed in Paris in 2012, and they were just great. They had another good energy vibe going with them. And again, disco music, it was fun to dance to. I was really impressed, and it was a fun little like stumble upon, didn't expect it. Because being old, you know, I know a lot of the older bands, but the new stuff coming out, I feel like 
I don't really have my pulse on that sometimes. And I kind of rely on other people to tell me what's new and what's hip. Finally, kind of a fun one that we did see was Boy George. It was a little loud and the mix was horrible, but his stage presence and just his talent kind of made up for all of that to a degree. I mean, the mix was really horrible and that was hard to get over, (laughs) but that was a fun one too. Best concert, man, I've been to some really good concerts. I would have to say as far as performer, it would probably go between Haley Williams of Paramore, which I already talked about. So I'm not going to rehash that at Warp Tour back in 99, which is an embarrassingly long time ago, I saw Eminem perform. This was right after Slim Shady. He was not super well-known at this time quite yet, but he did make it to the main stage of Warp Tour, but it was like at noon or something. So it wasn't like a super popular time. Eminem at the time, early in his career, he performed and it was just him on stage again, filled the stage, great performer, so talented. I think that if I had to think back of every concert and every performer that I've ever seen, I would say that he is hands down the most talented performer that I've ever heard. And this was, you know, 24 years ago now almost. I can only imagine how much better he's gotten with his craft, with his talents. He was so good. So good. It was, I don't even have words. He was amazing. The worst concert I've ever been to... I haven't really been to a lot of bad concerts. I mean, I've seen some openers that weren't great. Again, we just talked about, we just, I just, we weren't talking. I was just talking to you because I'm selfish. Boy George's mix was so bad that it was hard to enjoy at points. So in that way, maybe that was a bad concert. You know, Warp Tour in 99, some of those smaller stages there's not as good sound guys. So I don't think I've seen a super bad performer per se. I've seen some meh performers, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put any of the concerts that I've seen into worst, the loudest concert I've been to. Let's just rip on Boy George one more time. The bass or something that was just this mind numbing sound. I had earplugs in because I am old Speakers are very big at these festival concerts. You kids just need the loudest music ever. But through the earplugs, I could like feel the vibration like going down my neck. It was real bad. I feel like that doesn't need to happen. Loudest concert, Boy George. Seen the most. This is a band that I haven't gotten to talk about yet. When I was in high school, I was obsessed with a very small very unknown band called NSYNC. And I saw them multiple times with my best friend, Rachel, greatest name in the world. The very first time we saw them was at the Western Idaho Fair. They had probably signed on to that before they got popular. And then they're like, oh, well, we have this obligation. So we're just going to go play this small town fair in Idaho. And it was fabulous because there weren't a ton of people there. So it felt a little bit more personal. But yeah, no, I was obsessed with NSYNC in high school. That's embarrassing, but it's fine. I still love them. Have you heard their Christmas album? It's fabulous. I know it's after Christmas, but you could still hit it up. Most surprising concert? I don't know, man. Maybe, you know, maybe my most surprising concert is Elton John. I saw Elton John 
September of 2019 on his yellow brick road tour, which is like this super long tour. Will it ever end? I don't know. I think it's still going and it's been going for years. I know there was COVID, so there's a little bit of a break there, but it's like his farewell tour, but it's like, he's had like 85 farewell tours. I got to see Elton John. He is currently 76 years old. This was three years ago. So he was 73. If you think about the normal 73 year old person, you're just like, can you sit down at a piano and entertain me for three hours, keeping a high level of energy the entire time? Probably not. But if you're Sir Elton John, this man can entertain a crowd. This was a stadium. This was in Salt Lake. Oh my God. The entire time was like super amazing, super high energy. I was like, I have to go to the bathroom, but I don't want to miss anything. Your eyes are on, your ears are engaged the entire time. It was fabulous. I don't know what I expected when I went into that. I had never been a huge Elton John fan. There was a little bit in my house when I was a kid. He is a very good entertainer. Next concert, don't be mad. I did not use any privilege for this, but the next concert I'm going to is Taylor Swift. Got tickets. It was very easy for me. Unfortunately, I know a lot of people really struggled trying to do the sign up for tickets and then get in queues. And it's like, you're the 28,000th person in line and then you don't get tickets. And I'm super sorry about that. I got tickets to Seattle. I'll be going to that in July. I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm like really excited. When I was going in to get tickets, I was really of the mindset of like, you're not going to get tickets. Like this is going to be really hard. Everybody's going to want tickets. Good God, good luck. And I got them and I'm so happy. Wish I could have seen. I don't know that I've had any like misses with concert tickets or with people coming through that I want to see that I've missed people that I will never get to see. Amy Winehouse is one that makes me really sad. The Beatles, obviously, there's no way I could have, I mean, John passed away before I was born. Like, obviously, there's, there's some ridiculous ones. Elvis, but like Foo Fighters, I wish I would have made an effort to see Foo Fighters while Taylor was still around. That's it. Those are the questions. That's it for me for off season. See you on on season when we all get back together and hang out again. Until then, miss you. Rachel, I appreciate you telling me what you've been listening to in your off time. No idea what she said yet. I'm guessing some Midnights. Apparently she loves that album. I'm also interested to hear about her concerts. I know that there are a couple. She talks a lot about a Warp Tour at one point that she was a big fan of, or other than that, I don't really know too much about concerts that she's been to that she liked. I know she just went to Austin City Limits, and she has tickets for the demigod Taylor Swift. It'll be cool to hear her. I also want to hear from Evil. Evil, man, I wonder what his first concert was. I think he said it was ZZ Top, or maybe that was his last. ZZ Top is going to be talked about by Evil in this, I think. Which just makes so much sense and I love so much. Um, But I also want to know what he's been listening to. I think if I'm going off of, uh, he and I talk a lot, but we haven't talked too much about music lately. Except for, there. I know there is one very specific metal album. He's very pissed off that came out in 2022 and he missed it. And he's a sad faced man now. 
And I do think going off of what he said in the offseason, he's a little disappointed in himself and his lack of metalism last year. So I'm wondering if it's just been all metal. I also know that he's a huge Christmas song lover. So I bet all of December was Christmas music. Evil. Tell me. Talk to me. What's up? Oh, hello there, Verse Chorus Versers. Here we are with the fourth and the final installment of our off-season content. We're well into 2023 by now, and we're getting ready to ramp up, not season one, not season two, but season three of our Verse Chorus Verse slash universe slash something. Should I talk about Slash? That'd be a fun episode. We haven't really gone into Guns N' Roses much yet, so... That might be something that I will try to remedy this season. I'm not going to talk about Slash. Uh, I'm going to talk about some other things. But first, should probably talk about the most important thing of the night. What are we drinking? So my lady had a cocktail, and it's a classic cocktail, but it's one that I haven't made at home, at least not until recently. She had one of these at The Modern one of our, probably actually our favorite bar slash restaurant. It's also a hotel, kind of a mid-century modern vibe hotel in downtown Boise. Have great cocktails, great food. Anyway, she ordered a Naked and Famous there and really dug it. Because she liked it so much and because I like to make her happy, uh, we went to a liquor store downtown that services all of the bars in the downtown Boise area. I go there because that liquor store is the one that stocks all of the fun, exciting, exotic mixer-type drinks, chartreuse and maraschino liqueur and all of the the funky things that you don't find at your run-of-the-mill liquor stores. And we stocked up and we bought the accoutrements to make some naked and famouses. The recipe I use is out of Death & Company's first book. It is Delmagay Chichicapa Mezcal. It's a good mezcal yellow chartreuse, a little bit of Aperol, and fresh squeezed lime juice in equal parts. If you want to follow the main recipe, it's three quarters of an ounce of each. I like to mix a little bit more of each because, let's face it, I like my booze. It's very delicious. A little bit of smoke from the mezcal, some of that herbalness from the chartreuse, a little bit of bitterness from the Aperol, and of course that citrus uh, sweetness from the lime. Yummy. Very good cocktail. Uh, Easy to drink. Super dangerous, naked and famous. I can see why it's named that. On this last episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what I have been listening to in this off-season time frame, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. Is it off-season to you guys? I don't know. We're going to talk about what I've been listening to and also go into some of my memorable concert experiences. A little something different. I am remedying some of the sins of 2022 by spinning way more Unearth and way more Van Halen. I think I only had one song show up in my Spotify rap top 100 from Unearth and zero Van Halen. Uh, I'm going to fix that this year. So sorry, guys. I, I'm not only going to mention Van Halen more, I'm going to mention them a lot more this year. Unearth, I've been listening primarily to the oncoming storm. Really looking forward to their new album. I think it's coming out in May. Not entirely sure about that. 
I like stock them online. I try to find as much live video as I can. I do believe I saw Trevor, their lead singer, say something about a May release. One of their old drummers back with them, Mike Justin, he is wild on the drums. Really excited about that album. I'm going to be listening to a lot of Unearth because I'm also working out quite a bit, and they are my primary workout soundtrack. I'm also listening to an album by a band called Elder, one of my favorites. I found Elder in either 2015 or 16. I can't remember exactly when. Uh, with their album Lore, which is one of my all-time favorite albums. They are probably what you would put into the stoner rock slash metal category. Progressive, very long songs, 8, 9, 10, sometimes close to 15-minute songs. They're more like orchestral movement style songs rather than what you would find on a normal album. Lots of different stuff going on in there. Tons and tons of guitar vocals, but not many. I mean, they're, it's very sparsely populated with vocals. I love what they do. Super talented band. I've been listening to their release that came out literally in November. I don't know how I missed this. I don't know what I was thinking. This album would for sure have been in my top five, probably my top three of 2022 if I caught it when it came out. Innate Passage, almost an hour long, just shy of an hour. It's five songs. So good. I've only spun it a couple of times, but I really am digging it. May even be right up there with Lore. I got to give it some time. It is a tremendous album. I've also been listening to a ton of 70s funk and up-tempo soul music. Uh, don't ask me why. It is music that I love. I'm, I'm a big James Brown fan. Fucking love James Brown. He is the godfather of soul. I've been spinning like some of that like Chicago's, you know, late 60s, early 70s soul. Curtis Mayfield kind of kicked it off for me. Post holidays, trying to listen to music that puts me in a good mood. I really dig that era of music. Uh, there's a like absolute ton of talented musicians from that era. So much to explore. Funky bass lines, great, great, great singing. It's a goldmine. It's a fucking goldmine. And I just want to keep going back to it. I learned so much about the artists and I'm going to try to keep better track of the music that I listened to from that era so I can go back to it each time. A bit of a map to follow as I'm exploring. I, I, I keep track of who I listen to. Curtis Mayfield, uh, Bill Withers on my radar, Betty Davis, we're not talking the old school actress, the Kim Carnes, Betty Davis eyes, Betty Davis. We're talking about the African-American 70s singer, songwriter, badass model, Betty Davis. Holy shit, is she awesome? And of course, a lot of the usuals, um, Sly and the Family Stone, Stevie Wonder. Oh my God, Stevie Wonder is such a badass. Thinking back, this just struck me. I wonder if Stevie showing up on Sven's Spotify rap top 100 is subconsciously why I'm listening to all this. He is the best fall buddy. Uh, anyway, and of course, James Brown. If you have not seen James Brown, 1974, in Zaire, what the fuck are you doing? Go to Google right now. Type that in. James Brown, 1974, Zaire. Payback. I think that's the first track of that performance. Oh my God. It is the truth. He is truly the godfather of soul. Says so right on his jumpsuit. Big old rhinestones. 
we're gearing up for lots of new content for you guys. I don't want to go too much more into what I'm listening to because there might be a little bit of a spoiler alert if I do. So let's hop into some of the concerts that are very memorable to me. I'm going to start with my first couple of concerts. My very first concert, I thought it was in 1984. It was actually 1986. The band was ZZ Top. I really wanted it to be 1984 for some reason because ZZ Top played in a venue currently called the Something Arena. It was the Taco Bell Arena forever. It's like some branded something. But for years, it was the Boise State University Pavilion, and that's what it was in 1984 and 86. In 84, ZZ Top played with Night Ranger. I wanted that to be my first concert. I was wrong. It was actually cooler than that. It was 1986. It was ZZ Top with Ingve fucking Malmsteen. I don't even remember this. I remember ZZ Top. I don't remember Ingve being there. I was too young. I would have been nine at this point, but I do remember going to that show and thinking, oh my God, this is amazing. I think my whole family went. The concert that I actually do remember, like it's not that I don't remember that. It's just, that was so long ago that the memories, they're a little fuzzy at this point. Too many naked and famouses. (laughs) The show that I actually considered to be my first concert came about three years later. 1989, my older brother, who I credit for being probably the main musical influence on me, especially growing up. He's the reason I'm a Van Halen fan. He's probably the reason I listen to rock and metal. He took me to a show, just he and I, seven and a half years older than me. Friday, May 5th, 1989, Skid Row opening for Bon Jovi, DL's favorite band. It was fucking awesome for a junior high kid in that era to go see Bon Jovi with your older brother. Come on, man. That was some badass shit. And Skid Row were just starting out at this time. And I tell you what, they fucking killed it. And Bon Jovi was awesome too. Uh, It was the album after Slippery Went Wet. I can't remember the name of it at this point. I'm not, not a huge Bon Jovi head, but it was good. It was a great show. The next morning, I wake up. No earplugs. Come on. This was 89. I wasn't thinking about protecting my hearing. Uh, I wake up. My ears are fucking ringing. Can't hear a thing. I was in jazz choir, and I had a, a performance that day that I had to go somehow make make it through. I'm sure I was super, super, super off tune. Oh, my God. What have I done? Am I ever going to hear again? Have I ruined my ears? Of course, uh, that was nothing compared to some of the other shows I've been to in my day, but it was a great, great, great experience. I'm going to move on to what I will probably always remember as being the best concert that I've ever been to, and that was in 1996 on my birthday. Rage Against the Machine played a show inside the walls of the old Idaho State Penitentiary. And I have to tell you, man, I can't even describe how amazing that show was. Their openers were Stanford Prison Experiment and Girls vs. Boys. This was the Evil Empire Tour. Rage Against the Machine, say what you will about them today, how, you know, corporate shills, whatever. Rage Against the what, the blah, blah, blah. You can make fun of them as much as you want. Back then, that band was fucking fire and playing inside the walls of the state penitentiary was a transcendental experience. I, I, you had, it's one of those that you just absolutely had to be there. 
probably the best concert I've ever been to. Hopefully not the best concert of my entire life. I want to see something eclipse that. And let's end with a concert that I think might have done that if I could have seen that. The shows, I could have picked any one of these that I wish I could have been at. And I wasn't even, I was alive, but not close to old enough to be at any of these shows. In 1981, Van Halen played three shows in Oakland at the Coliseum. June 11th through the 13th, they performed in front of a sold-out crowd each day. I think it was 11 or 12,000 people a night. In what is arguably their absolute prime, and hearing anecdotes from those who were there, it was a band firing on all cylinders. It may have been one of the greatest rock performances ever. I'm partial. I've seen over and over accounts of of this being the rock concert or set of rock concerts to have been to, and that it was just fucking pandemonium. This was fair warning era Van Halen, probably the height creatively of the early Roth era stuff. There's video out there, and I think Part of why this is so legendary, this, this there is actually some footage for three songs that I know of, and, and there's legends of other footage being out there. Uh, you can see, hear about it later. You can see, so this is love, and then their music video for Unchained, which is one of Van Halen's iconic music videos, where you see Roth like leaping off the drum riser, doing flying splits at the intro, and it's just. Go watch it. It's like live music is awesome. I really want to endeavor to see more live music moving forward. I've only been to a few shows in the last couple of years. COVID kicked everybody's ass. I said I was going to close with this, but let me close with the last show that I saw. And that was uh, at the Idaho Botanical Gardens, right adjacent to the old penitentiary. Uh, this year I saw Derek Trucks, who is a fucking wizard. The Tedeschi Trucks band played, I can't even describe what I saw when Derek Trucks was on stage with that guitar. He is, oh my God, the guy is a witch. (laughs) So good. It was a great show all around. Keyboardist, he was their opener in the middle, was fucking Los Lobos. I, I mean, Jesus Christ, those guys killed it too. And then of course, Tedeschi Trucks. Anyway, more concerts in the future, more content coming at you. We love you guys. Stick around. Season three's coming up. Good night. Welcome back. Evil, thank you for telling us about things. And thank you for telling us about stuff. It's my turn. And I'm just going to dive right in. What have I been listening to? So first things first, and this will probably bring enjoyment to the other people uh, on the pod, is I actually listened to quite a bit of Christmas music this year. Here's what I found out after this season. The last thing that I wanted to do at all was have to pick an album to listen to, have to pick music to listen to, have to pick a playlist. Anytime I would be, okay, hey, it's time to relax. Let's put out some tunes. What should we listen to? I would get upset immediately, (laughs) post-traumatic stress disorder. In December, I would just default. There was like a jazz Christmas playlist. If it's Real jazz Christmas music, you know, we're talking like, think Charlie Brown Christmas, you know, Vince Guaraldi and stuff like that. Like actual just piano, light sax, some upright bass, some brushes on the drums. Uh, That is my shit. I can get down with that. So I I did listen to a lot of that. I also did uh, do a few small upgrades to my turntable. 
perfect. I got a ceramic plate, which, man, I wasn't convinced that it would make a difference. I didn't understand how, but it warms the sound. I'm not a big vinyl scientific guy. I'm more like if somebody says you should probably buy this, I promise it will make it sound better. I will trust that. So the two things that I got is I upgraded my needle. Uh, I did get a ceramic plate. Oh, and I did get a weight. So I have been listening to a lot of records because it's fun. I got new toys. You got to listen. A lot of, you know, what's grown on me more and more and more since last year's Phototrove by Moontooth. And not just because we're going to be dealing with them a little more this year. Spoiler alert. But man, that album has really, I, I was a little bit... I thought it was extremely good the first couple times I heard it. I wasn't as impressed as certain other projects that they've done. As I've listened more to it, I understand it more and I crave it more. You know, that first song, when it starts out kind of slow and then all of a sudden it kicks in with that heavy but very uh, major guitar riff, man, I am so, and I crave listening to that. And even though things like Conduit, like Conduit was one of my top songs of the year last year, I still, I don't think that I had really figured out this album yet. And I am starting to, and it's incredible. Listening to a lot of Ghost. I've talked a lot about Ghost. I forgot about how good that album was last year, and I kind of let it go. I think we should have at least talked about it a little bit in the finale, even if it wasn't in the top 10. Yes, Paint by Numbers 80s Metal is good damn it. And then listening to a lot of metric because my daughter loves it. That is one of the universal household can agree on albums. White Lies and Metric are the two. You don't have to think. You just know that those two albums are just going to automatically be okay with everybody in the house, dog and cat included. But other than that, what have I been listening to, you ask? Jack shit. I have not been listening to music. I have one project that I'm listening to tonight that I get to listen to before it's out because I'm a man of industry now, but a dear friend of the podcast sent me a little preview of an album coming out this year that we are going to talk about on the pod. So I'm very excited for that. Going to sit back in my leather couch with a scotch, turn it on and just listen to a little jazz relax me and just grin ear to ear. There's your spoiler. But I haven't asked him or her if I can even say that I got that, so I'm not going to name names and just say that uh, I am excited to listen. I'm excited to talk to that person this year. I have a very good feeling about this project because I do know who was behind it. I know where it was recorded, and uh, I have a hard time thinking that it could possibly be bad. But yeah, I have been listening to jack shit, people. I didn't quite realize how much I needed a break. I don't think I was burnt out. I don't know if you guys knew this about me, but I love music. I've loved it my whole life. I have a relationship with music where all of us music lovers have that same relationship, where we just automatically think it just hits us different. Where it doesn't. Music hits everybody. But I'm, you know, I'm special. Music hits me different. That's how we all feel. And that's how I feel. And I still feel that way. When you start to become a little bit, you know, you're a little bit of a music historian and you're a little bit of a fact checker and you're a little bit of a, well, I kind of have to judge this. And then you have to figure out, well, what should I be judging this based on? It doesn't take away from the fun of music, but it does. You know, when something impacts your life as much as music does, 
it deserves a very serious look. You have to take it seriously. I do think music is the reason for things that aren't great. I know from personal experience, I ha- I can tell you stories about people in my life that are not here anymore, that their last few months they were listening to things that I pr- <laughs> that probably should have been pretty good indicators that, okay, we need to figure something out here. I promise you I'm not at all, I'm not one of the... <laughs> Don't please don't put me in the category of, you know, I wasn't blaming Marilyn Manson for Columbine. That's a very different thing. But if you've got a buddy that is only listening to Joy Division for two years, you should probably have a conversation. Unless he's DL and then just know, hey, that's where he likes to wallow. I haven't been listening to anything, you guys. I don't like figuring out what to listen to, as I said. So I've been watching shows. I've been watching movies. I've played a video game. I, it's been so long since I actually like played a video game, but it's so fun. I just got a new TV that I, I also didn't understand TV sizes. So I got one that's like my fucking wall now. But man, watching movies on that. The first movie we watched on it was the most recent Jurassic World. Domination? Jurassic World something. If any of you have ever seen the YouTube... Hey, our YouTube's going really well, by the way. I mean, you know, we have videos that have like 3,000 views and we have videos that have 60 views. So we don't understand it at all. We are trying to. But I already talked about that. Just a reminder, if you want to go on YouTube, we're there. It does help us if you subscribe. We get up to a specific amount of subscribers and we can monetize. So help a brother out. First movie we watched was that newest Jurassic Park movie. There is a YouTuber, and I'm sorry, I don't remember what the name is, but he's talking to himself as a Hollywood executive and then a scriptwriter. It's basically the scriptwriter pitching the movie to the executive. And it's very tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic, pointing out how ridiculous this movie and script are. He has one that he does for Jurassic World, The people in these movies are such generic who-gives-a-shit characters because nobody builds characters anymore. It's just not a thing. It's the Marvel universing of movies. And yes, I am one of those people. Fuck Marvel movies. Did we just lose? Sven, can you you look at the live feed of how many listeners we just lost? Ah, bummer. There's no character development. It's the same fucking story every time. You got a huge mass of whatever army that doesn't matter that's going to all go away at the end. And then you have some huge light beam going up. But anyway, the guy on YouTube starts it by calling the the two main characters Money Lady and it's like Animal Loving Navy guy, I think. And the executive's like, wait, you're not giving him names? And he's like, no, it doesn't fucking matter. Who gives a shit? Nobody cares what their name is. It is such a hilarious parody, and it is exactly how I feel about this movie. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yes, you're listening to a film review now on Verse Chorus Verse, but I hated this movie so much. If you're going to make this movie, just make it fucking two hours of dinosaurs chasing people, chasing other dinosaurs, non-stop Sharknado action. This movie's like 80% talking. And they bring back Dern and the guy that played Dr. Grant that's an incredible actor and and uh, 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 Jeff uh, Goldblum. How was that? Was that a good Jeff Goldblum? Uh, Jeff uh, Goldblum. I don't think that's good. 
Jeff Goldblum seems like he's one of the hardest people to imitate because he's just so fucking random. I love Jeff Goldblum so much. Have you seen him in a few things he does in Portlandia? Oh my God, he's just brilliant. But they put every, they throw everybody in it. The script is terrible. It's such a bad movie, you guys. How are these movies? These movies make so much money and they keep making money and they're so bad. And my rant is over. That was the first movie we watched because we thought, hey, humongous new TV, cool new speakers, dinosaurs, right? You know what we should have watched that is amazing is they have a... I should have... I didn't research anything, so I have no names to give you. This is the worst content ever. I don't care. I'm entertaining myself. But Planet Earth. We all know, you know, Attenborough's Planet Earth. It's amazing. We parodied him for a promo. It's the best thing that's ever been on television well, they made, uh, I think it's on Apple TV, they made one that special effects dinosaurs into a, a planet Earth, and it looks incredible. That's what we should have watched. Why didn't we make that our first movie? I'm so disappointed in myself. I rewatched Justified, one of my man crushes, Timothy Oliphant, rocking his cowboy hat. I'm watching a lot of brainless crap. I'm watching, you know, Modern Family and... We watch a lot of Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers is not mindless crap. Bob's Burgers is just brilliance upon brilliance upon brilliance. If you are having a bad day, anything's going wrong, if you feel down, if you just don't know what to do that night, the answer should always be Bob's Burgers. You cannot be sad while watching. That is That show is just perfection. I haven't been, I, I mean, I have been listening to music. In fact, what I, one cool thing I did, and I got this idea from Spotify Wrapped because I was sick of Spotify Wrapped. And I was kind of, like I said, I felt a little dirty. So what I did is I went and I bought a notebook. I have it now next to my record player. And now every time I play a record, I make notes. What the date was, what I was doing, what the album was, how I was feeling about it. If I feel differently than I used to, I'm keeping track of my vinyls. DL turntable wrapped at the end of the year. I don't think I'm actually going to go through it. Maybe that'd be fun. Maybe I will have the patience to sit there and think and say, okay, which vinyl did you listen to the most? Anyway, it's a really fun exercise. And I know that a lot of vinyl lovers listen to this. Do it. It's fun. Get a notebook. And when you turn on a vinyl, just scribble some notes. Christmas Eve, wrapping some presents, homies. Merry Christmas. It's fun, and it's something that I can hand down, you know, record collection. I mean, I'm going to be buried with it, but <laughs> should we move on to concert questions? What was my first concert? Well, this is a tough one, because what are we talking here? Are we talking Disney on Ice and stuff like that? Does that count when we're kids and we go see that sort of thing? My first concert that felt pretty damn official to me, even though I'm not sure if it counts or not, so I'll give another one too, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were a music group for a while. They had a tour called the Coming Out of Our Shells Tour. YouTube it. It's on there. It is fascinating. This was my prime age. My mom took me to that show. That show was the bomb. The only other one that I can think of, if it wasn't that one, it would have been Hammer with Boys to Men opening. I think this was the Too Legit to Quit tour. It was a great show. Hammer showed up late. I had, I'm not going to go into this because it would divulge certain family things, but I went to this show with my cousin. My father and her mother took us. My cousin and I were extremely close as kids. We were less than a year apart and we hung out all the time. 
Well, we had a pretty horrific family tragedy happen. I don't remember how it came to be, but we were actually one of his PR people caught wind of what had happened. And we were actually supposed to meet Hammer that night. They were supposed to take us backstage and we were supposed to meet him. It never happened. He showed up late. They were just like, yeah, this isn't happening. Which for me, I don't know. I get it as a musician, but it's also, man, it's probably the company's fault, not the artist's, but... Man, if you tell a little kid that, hey, I heard about this. This is terrible. Let's meet up. I want to say hi to you. And then you just don't show. You are at least a little bit of a piece of shit, right? Like you get done with a show. You're, it's a show. And yes, I get it. I get that people like Hammer and Michael Jackson, they put themselves out there, man. They are sweating their ass off. They are exhausted. I knock on Bon Jovi, but man, he goes out there every night. He busts his ass. Same with Bruce Springsteen, all these people. So I get it. At the same time, you're a fucking musician, okay? Your job is to play music. Not only is your job to play music, you make millions. You make a disgusting amount of money for doing it. You are the luckiest motherfuckers on earth. I don't even compare it to athletes. Like Athletes make millions of dollars, but they're putting their bodies on the line. And you can say that musicians do too, but that's different. It's very, very different. I am a Buffalo Bills fan, and the last game that I watched, within fucking five minutes of the game, one of my players was laying on the ground dead. He came back, he's doing great now, but at one point on the field, he was dead. And that is because football is an insane fucking sport where the most athletic people in the world come to run at each other as fast as they can and murder each other. Athletes are different. Musicians are the luckiest motherfuckers on earth. So don't do that. Wow, apparently, I didn't think I gave a shit about that, but apparently I do. Man, it's all flooding back to me. Remember, I think in the last episode, I asked if any of you are psychiatrists. I'm waiting. Nobody wrote back. There's a good answer for first concert. Actually, do we count? Also, do we count like fairground concerts? Because I am sure that I went and saw some, you know, Ario Speedwagon or Allison Chains was a very early concert of mine, too. Last concert is the next question. The last concert I went to. Oh, man. What was the last concert that I went to? Was it that long ago? I think it was. I think it was Crash Test Dummies. They came to Portland last year. My uncle and I went. I sang along to every song. I drank way too much whiskey. It was amazing. Possibly my favorite band of all time. It was the second time I've seen them. I actually, well... Crash Test Dummies proper. Crash Test Dummies were originally the full band, but there are two brothers that do it. And the first time I saw them was in San Diego. I was in the Navy, and they came. They played at this little bar, and it was just like three of them doing an acoustic set. And it was so incredible. It was so good. And he, Brad is just such a funny, personable, light, hilarious guy that that sort of intimate show is just, it's incredible. Uh, so yeah, Crash the Stummies, I'm going to say, was my last show. And I think, wait, no, crap. Was Marin Morris? I did take my daughter to Marin Morris. I'm so sorry that I don't remember which one. Best concert. Oh my God. I saw Alice in Chains when I was, I think it was 94 or 92. I think I was, I was like 11 or 12 years old. Tad open for Alice in Chains. I still have the ticket stub, so I should know the exact date. 
it's pretty impossible to beat being that young and just you are starting to get into music. You are starting to kind of figure out just getting old enough for it to actually affect your head and your heart and figure out what it's about. And seeing Alice in Chains that young, it was ins- it was mind altering. It was insane. I'm not sure how anything else could better that concert. I've been to shows that were incredible for specific reasons. You know, I think one of might have even been my favorite concert experience of all time was with Evil. Evil and I and a group of our friends all went and saw Stone Temple Pilots. Scott Wayland was still alive. And he was actually, he he looked pretty healthy. He didn't sound healthy. He didn't act healthy. He was high as a fucking kite. What I loved about that is they knew who they were. Every song that you would have wanted them to play. And they played it like they loved it and they weren't sick of it. And we just screamed every single song together. And I, all the little things in the concert were working right. We somehow got the spot that was like right up the hill from all the porta potties, the back porta potties that nobody else knew about. So we had like, you know, no lines for the bathroom. There was a beer thing right there that had no line. Like this was, if you went to heaven and heaven had a concert. And you're like, you know what I want? I want a band that meant a lot to me growing up. And I want them to just play all the songs that I loved, that we all love, that we can sing along to. And I don't want any lines to the bathroom. And I want the beer to be like right there. This, this was that concert. That's actually a pretty hard one to pass up. Worst concert, worst concert. So I'm going to have to tiptoe around this. This is a problem that I'm having lately with venues. This is not at all the artist's fault. I'm going to say this. I'm going to be careful because it involves a friend of the podcast. Like I said, I took my daughter to her first concert, which was Marin Morris, which Annie Clements was playing at. It was McMinniman's at Edgefield here in uh, Washington. I didn't know it, but apparently that venue kind of infamously overcrowds their concerts. That was a terribly run venue. It was so bad. And I was so disappointed for my daughter. In the end, it was a concert. They came on. They were fantastic. She was on my shoulders singing along to all the songs. And she had a blast. She had so much fun. She was in her cute little cowgirl dress with cowgirl boots. And she had a great time. But, you know, we got there early. Place was already jam-packed. And I'm talking packed to the point where we got a spot way up back in the corner. And it's a big field that is not very highly elevated, so we couldn't see anything. I spent, I am not kidding, they played for maybe 45 minutes. They did not play a long set. And I spent the first, I'd say probably half hour of that 45-minute set in a line trying to get drinks and food for my daughter and Amanda. I was so disappointed for her and upset, and I'm starting to notice that at so many venues And I don't know if it's a post-COVID thing that they're just like cram as many fuckers as you can get in here. Who cares about the customer experience? But it's a bummer, man. That was terrible. I'm going to say it again. It was not the music. The music was incredible. Mary Morris was fantastic. They played brilliantly. But, you know, in order for my daughter to even see it, she had to be on my shoulders. Even then, we're as far away as you can possibly be. And I wasn't there for the first 30 minutes of the show because I was just trying to get fucking soda. So that was actually a really, really negative 
venue experience for me. And I'm, I've been having a lot more of those. I don't know if it's because I'm older and back in the day, it was just general admission, get drunk before the concert, get in and fucking headbang, you know, to Green Day. Who gives a shit about the venue? I don't think I'm wrong. I think venues are getting worse and worse. I think they're overcrowding. I think they're giving less of a shit about the concessions. And I think it sucks. As far as sound, actual like bands that were terrible live, it's always depressing to see the bands that should have quit long ago. And I'm not necessarily blaming, I mean, I'm kind of blaming the bands because if you just deal with your money right, you'd be okay. I'll use the, man, I hate doing this because once again, this is a band I would love to talk to. And I'm if we've already talked about on the podcast, I would love to interview them someday because man, they, they write some tunes, but I saw Everclear in like 2010 or something like that. They were just so clearly over it. They had just thrashed themselves so hard playing for so long. It was so easy to see that they had just never wanted to be anywhere less than they were there at that time. You start to see concerts like that. It's not angering. It's just more a little bit sad. I want my memories to be of Everclear in... 97 or 96 when I saw him in the Rose Ballroom in Boise, Idaho with like 600 other people and they were young and they had just come out with, you know, like so much for the afterglow just roared through their set. They're doing the pre-made jokes about how the bass player's gonna screw your girlfriend if you keep fighting and you know, like all this stupid shit that you just eat up as a kid. So there you go. There's that loudest concert loudest concert i've been to some loud fucking concerts and i remember when i was young i think a lot of us did one of the cool things to do would be to just get right by the fucking speaker but i never really cared that much i always wanted music to be loud so i don't think i was ever that aware of like holy shit that is so loud man i kind of hate that i don't have an answer for this it's probably some dumb little small club concert in my early 20s the used wannabe band that came to some 400 person venue that had 60 people there that I went and saw. I'm sorry. I just never really cared about lots of concerts were loud. I've also never seen Ted Nugent live or I'm sure that would be my answer. Seen the most. Who have I seen the most? Man, I already said Everclear. I think I've actually seen Everclear four times and not even, you know, like the first two times like, oh my God, Everclear, we got to go see him. But then I think the other two were just happenstance. Like, hey, Everclear's at this thing. We're already going to be right there. Let's go see him. I've never been a big follow the band type of guy. And I've always been kind of a big, hey, I saw him already. I don't need to see him again. I've seen Interpol twice, maybe three times. I'm not a big repeat concert guy. I'm just going to say that it's Everclear, that I've seen Everclear four times. You know, I grew up in Boise, Idaho. And while I love being here now, I lived in Seattle for a while where there's just any concert you want to see, you're going to be able to see that year, especially back in the day. And I now live in the Portland area where same thing, there's concerts here all the time. Growing up in the Boise area, there were no fucking concerts there. People don't go to Boise, Idaho. It was a rare thing. So that probably played a pretty big part in it. I probably would have seen specific bands like I said, again, with the whole fairground circuit, if I think about it, it's probably like sticks. I've probably seen sticks like five times. Uh, most surprising. So I've already told this story on the podcast. I'll make it quick. I went to see Death Camp for Cutie in Reno. 
they were mediocre at best. Way too cool to be there. It's the hipster, lazy-ish, but it's just because I'm so thoughtful type of singing in Death Cab for Cutie. At the time, I loved the album Plans. I, th- I thought it was a great... I still do. That's a fantastic album. They have like three really good albums. Their personality on stage was fucking terrible. They were terrible. And it was so boring. And one of the reasons that I think it was so boring is because the band before them that I had no interest in seeing at all fucking tore the house down. And that was Franz Ferdinand. Their sound was incredible. They were all energy. They were pouring sweat within the first three minutes. He's running everywhere. You know those bands where you know it's going to be good where the guy just keeps running around and he keeps hitting his mouth on the microphone just making sure that he gets back to the microphone in time. And that was so good. That was probably the most surprising. I'm going back. I just remembered the best concert that I ever went to. And it's because of the people involved. But it also has a sad story that some of you of my age are going to relate to. Back in the day, they don't do it so much anymore, but Seattle's biggest rock station was called the, I think it's called The End. I don't remember what the station was, but I believe the name of it was The End. And they'd have End Fest. And the year that I went, I was in the Navy and I just happened to be home. So the year was like 2002. So think of these bands in like 2002. Let me tell you who was there. This is at the Gorge, by the way, which is one of the best places you can ever see a concert. This is the lineup. Think of these in 2002. First of all, you had Papa Roach and you had like Huba Stank was there. Cypress Hill was there. Cypress Hill was great, but, the, but I think Papa Roach is more of a, okay, whatever. Dashboard Confessional was there, which I've, I didn't think they were that great, but they were better than I thought they'd be as far as energy. I don't know if you know Hot Rod Circuit. They were good. Interpol. Nobody knew who the fuck they were there. It was me and one of my friends singing along to the songs. Nobody knew who they were at all. Jimmy World, which this was 2002 Jimmy World. Like they had just come out with, you know, the album with the trophies on the front and everything that has everybody knows every single song from. Mud Honey was there. Always going to be a good listen. Tenacious D, The Strokes, and Vendetta Red. All in one concert. And I'm telling you, every single one of them was incredible. They were all so good. Tenacious D was Tenacious D. The Strokes were peak the strokes playing all of the is this it stuff julian casablanca is just rip roaring drunk so like he's falling over into the crowd and you're like oh my god he's like the song's still playing he's not gonna get to the mic and holy shit he got to the mic in time to sing again it was peak the strokes so amazing probably why they're one of my favorite bands of all time now because that show is incredible The only thing that was sad about that concert is that the band that I was most excited to see that I had never seen live, which was one of my favorite bands of all time, Our Lady Peace, the lead singer got pneumonia like two days before, so they had to cancel. To Our Lady Peace's defense, which they don't need a defense, you got pneumonia, what are you going to do? They had a makeup concert in Seattle, but I was out to see when they did it. That had to have been the best concert of all time. Just speaking of Tenacious D, I saw them open for Weezer in a club, in a small club in, I think maybe late 90. That was incredible too. Man, that was so good. Enfest 2002 was my best concert, even though it was just heartbreaking that Our Lady Peace didn't end up being there. What is my next concert? I, I do not have concert tickets purchased right now. There are bands that I need to see live. 
I want to see the crows. I want to see the interrupters. I want to take my daughter to the interrupters. I want to take her to her first rock experience. Actually, I want the crew. I want Sven, Rachel, Evil, and I to all go to a concert together. Something that we can all said that we liked. But the big ones on my radar that I need to see are I, I need to see the crows. I need to see Moontooth. Moontooth. Well, I need to see Moontooth. That actually would be a really good group. Go see. I haven't seen Emily Braden sing live in fucking forever. I want to go see Carrie sing live. All the groups that we've talked about on this podcast. Wish I could have seen as the final question. We don't take the easy way out, right? Wish I could have seen the Beatles. I wish I could have seen the Beatles. (laughs) Wish I could have seen, actually, you know who I didn't get to see? Who I really, 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 and man, I'm actually getting sad thinking about it. Soundgarden has been one of my favorite bands of all time since I can remember, since I was a little kid. I wish I would have made more of an effort. Like, it's hard when you're that young. Man, I think my answer is Soundgarden. I wish I could have seen Soundgarden play. I'd go more of an era's quote. I just wish that I could have been 20 years old in Seattle in 1989 through 91. That's what I wish. I wish I could just walk into holes and see fucking Mud Honey with Nirvana and the Green River Band and... That's the stuff that I wish. I'm, those are my concerts. I know that I'm leaving a ton out. I've been spacing in really bad this last like month. I think I'm losing my mind. I think this podcast has broken me, you guys. But who cares? Because we're on to season three next week. Motherfuckers! Versecoursefirst.com at versecoursefirstpod. I cannot wait to meet up with the crew to record next week's episode. Good night and good luck. Oh, I, oh, I.